Are the lights on? Good. Welcome to Listen with the Lights On. I'm Jessica Blaustein Marshall. And I'm Patrick Garrett. Culturally acclaimed author H.G. Wells is known as one of the fathers of science fiction. His works include The Time Machine, The Invisible Hand, and, for anyone who knows their radio history, the famous War of the Worlds. In 1938, that story brought science fiction a little closer to reality. The on-air dramatization of an alien attack on Earth briefly created considerable panic on the East Coast. A lot of scared listeners thought the Martians were really taking over. Beyond that, Wells' stories of aliens and futuristic technology have played a significant role in development of pop culture. But he also wrote a ghost story that had never been published until now. H.G. Wells is thought to have written a never-before-published ghost story in the late 1800s. Scholars believe that was roughly when it was written, based on the style of language he used in the narrative. Ian Pickus spoke with managing editor of The Strand magazine about the magazine's publication of Wells's recently discovered tale, The Haunted Ceiling. Much like the protagonists of the short stories that run in The Strand magazine, managing editor Andrew Gooley likes a good literary mystery— and he's built a reputation as a man who can solve them. And today he joins us to talk about The Haunted Ceiling by H.G. Wells, which runs in the latest issue. Well, this is uh, it's an interesting story, vintage Wells, perfect for um, chilly night reading of winter and a fall. So it's a, it's a ghost story, part ghost, part detective story. And it's about this man who sees these odd patterns on his ceiling which he's convinced looks like the face of a woman whose throat has been slit. And the interesting thing is it's not very, it's not clear cut because in uh, Victorian England, they would have these indoor chimneys and they would produce all sorts of soot that would get, that would get stuck to the ceiling and they would form odd patterns. But uh, this character finds himself on the verge of insanity unless he can uncover the puzzle as to why he's seeing these odd, odd, odd patterns. So where did you find the story? The story was found at the uh, Rare Book and Manuscript Library in the University of Illinois. Uh, And there is some interesting history about this because uh, the... uh, the university ended up purchasing all of Wells's papers in 1954 at the uh, at the behest of Professor Gordon Ray, who was interested in writing a uh, a biography of Wells and collecting a lot of his letters. Uh, and I can just say from talking to the librarians there and having hiring somebody to make copies of a lot of these manuscripts that uh, there were tens of thousands of papers there. I mean, I personally was sent over 3,000 pages worth of manuscripts. And Wells was a prolific man. I mean, he would write articles that would have titles that looked like they were for a short story, and then you would read it and you would find it would be a monologue about socialism, you know, or Victorian society or Edwardian society. But... uh, but this one stood out immediately since I've read almost every single H.G. Wells short story. And I said to myself, okay, I think I have something over here. Is this the only thing in that collection that hasn't been seen before? Uh, there were a lot of things that have not, have not been seen before. I mean, 
I'm more of a I'm more of a a fiction aficionado. But we did t- three years ago publish uh, two articles by Wells that were never published before. But like all archives and like all all papers of great authors, you'll see some stuff that's you know on the level of something that's very dated. You'll see some stuff that's not very good quality. You'll see some stuff that's good quality, but not right for the Strand magazine. When I saw this, I said to myself, okay, this is perfect for the strand. This is something where if I was just a if I was just a casual reader, I would see this on the newsstand and I would say, Okay, I need to read a ghost story by H. G. Wells that I've not read before. So this one really, really stood out as being something very fun and very interesting and you know, at the same time there's an element of the macabre to it and it has the old Wells formula of having a literary type trying to solve the key to something that seems supernatural, and the literary type is working with a man of science. And it's a theme that we see in The Time Machine. It's a theme that we see in several other works of H.G. Wells. Yeah, that skepticism is always uh, treated with uh, just as much sobriety as the, the supernatural, it seems, at least in the Wells I've read. Exactly. That's a, that's a great point, Ian, in that and that Wells was a, he was an ardent materialist, a, a, a real atheist. He would you know, he could be described as you know very a progressive guy of the of the Victorian era, but at the same time he loved to dabble in works that were that had a supernatural element to them. Uh, one of the one of the stories that comes to mind is the Red Room, about this uh, skeptical, cynical writer who's kind of like H.G. Wells, who's forced to spend, uh, not forced, but he agrees to spend the night in this haunted room, and all sorts of comical things end up happening to him, which he does not feel are comical for obvious reasons. And at the end of the story, there is this whole H.G. Wells message of how how fear can make us see things that, that are not do not even exist. Um and in this story, this is odd in that there's a bit of a there's a bit of a supernatural turn to this story and a twist at the end. So I found that fascinating that this was something by H. G. Wells where you expect to see the you know this tough you know materialist H. G. Wells, and in the end you're seeing something that reads a little more like a uh, like an M. R. James ghost story or something by Arthur Macon. How big a figure is Wells in uh, your line of work and the kind of um, fiction that you publish? Wells is a huge figure. T- to me, it's, I've, always, I've always been a big fan of H.G. Wells ever since when I was a, a nine-year-old kid and I was in Athens, Greece, and I saw a listing for The Time Machine by starring Rod Taylor. And after I read that book, I was like, oh, my God, this is incredible. My sister and I were like, oh, my God, you know, Rod Taylor is our hero. The time traveler is our hero. <laughs> and then uh, and then a couple of years later, my brother bought me uh, the uh, three-volume leather-bound set of The War of the World, The Invisible Man, and The Time Machine. Um, and then I became a huge fan of Wells. So for me personally, he's, he's always been a... a a great figure, a great literary figure, but uh, also, I mean, independently of my personal taste, Wells is a great visionary of the 20th century. I mean, he foresaw cell phones, 
He foresaw drug-resistant bacteria and viruses. I mean, he was a man. He even predicted the invisible men, and now we're seeing the militaries experimenting with all sorts of all sorts of uh, materials that would make soldiers invisible to enemy fire. And, and you look at that and you say to yourself, my God, this guy deserves more credit than he's given. And the interesting thing is looking over his papers, looking over some of the unpublished uh, works of his that were more on the current, uh, current events side, he was predicting a world where there would be some anarchy and where where dictatorships that had turned into that were turning into democracies into fledgling democracies would find themselves taken hostage by a lot of uh, demagogues and religious fundamentalists and when when I was reading that and a lot of the events around the world were occurring which were very dark I said to myself my god this guy really really called it we're speaking with Andrew Gooley, the managing editor of The Strand magazine. Um, there's always a, a question when you do publish one of these um, unearthed stories as to uh, proving the authenticity. Did that come up this time? You know, I'm always worried about that because that's, that's, that's like the biggest nightmare you can get. I mean, I'll tell you, the, the two things that c- can keep me up at night are, number one, just finding out that you've published something that seems unpublished only to have a, an academic say, hey, you know, this was, this was published in the Cornwall Gazette, circulation 2188. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or you'll just find somebody saying, oh, no, 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 this, this, this was a brother of the writer, you know, you, you got something off. <laughs> but uh, in this case, I contacted the three H.G. Wells scholars, Professor Patrick Perinder, uh, Mike Sherborne, and Simon James. And I showed them some pages from the manuscript, and I said, okay, this was found at the, in the University of Chicago. According to the, uh, the head librarian and the curator, it's been there for 60, 62 years. Uh, but I want you to look at it just to make sure that this is something that is legitimate. And they looked at the handwriting, and they said, no, this is, there is no doubt this is an original H.G. Wells manuscript. Uh, and most importantly, and this is this is the other uh, the other odd thing that Joker that can pop up in the deck, where uh, it was never published before. Because at times I've gone through manuscripts. I remember I was going through the William Faulkner papers, and I was so excited that I'd stumbled across a story that was not published by Faulkner. And I said, "Oh my God, this is it!" So I contacted a some Faulkner scholars, and I said, hey, I think I've come up on, on, a, on a real significant find. And they said, I said, this story has never been published before. Look at the title. They said, I'm sorry to tell you, Andrew, but uh, the story was published before. The only thing was that the title was changed. It was under a different title. And he did change a lot of the, he, this is a, a version of the story that was published. The happy conclusion to the story is that I did end up finding a play by Faulkner that was never published, but uh, but in this case uh, they looked at this and they said no this this is a bre- this is a story that was never that had never ever seen the light of day. I should just mention for our listeners we talked about that uh, Faulkner play and if people are interested they can uh, find that interview at wamc.org. Andrew, do you uh, do you foresee a day when uh, there won't be any more missing stories from our our literary masters to uncover because record keeping has gotten better, archives are digital and more easily searchable, and so on? 
I think that what may happen is that there there might be a case where the well can dry up. I mean, you get into situations where you can have some estates that are not just interested in keeping things under wraps for good. You can get into situations where there are unpublished works by great writers, which I have seen, and I've just decided that they were not good enough to be put in the strand. Uh, I think in terms of how estates and agencies, what their attitude is when I approach them about publishing something like this, you know, nine times out of ten, they're very excited and, and enthusiastic about it because they've realized that we have a very good track record. And when we publish something like this, we publish it well. We publish it in a tasteful way that will honor the legacy of the of the authors. Uh, but I am, at times, I'm looking at my list of, of my wish list of authors, and I'm saying to myself, okay, it's getting less and less and less. Trust me, there are, there are some things out there, and in 2017 we have some interesting plans as well, but uh, this thing is not looking as, as you know, the list is shorter than it was uh, six years ago when I started on this. Well, I have to say that's probably mostly due to your work, so that has to give you some satisfaction, I would think. It does. It does. It's always so frustrating when there is something unpublished and it's sent to somebody else. <laughs> I want everything. <laughs> somebody said, come on, can't you be content with this? I'm like, no, not really. They should have waited and given this to me. <laughs> Sorry, I'm greedy. <laughs> Andrew Gooley is managing editor of The Strand magazine, and we're discussing a new uh, short story by H.G. Wells that's being published in the magazine for the first time, and it dates to about 1895. Andrew, you've given us our customary cliffhanger, so uh, I will say until we uh, meet again, thank you so much. My pleasure, Ian. Always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Listen with the Lights On is a production of WAMC. Our theme music is Grizzly Reminder by Midnight Syndicate. For more spine-tingling tales, check out our podcast or head over to WAMC.org. 